Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. And welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. We are going to be speaking with our senior international correspondent, Norbert Orr, who brings to us the results of the Global Purchasing Managers Index surveys that he follows that also use the ISM methodology. And as always, I have my co-host, Lou Weiss, with me. He is up in the Cape. I am down in Atlanta. And Lou, how's the weather? Well, for those who don't know which Cape I'm at, whether it's Cape Cod or Cape of Good Hope, I am at Cape Cod, Massachusetts, <laughs> and we're we're freezing our buns off today. So uh, let's get this going. And so I haven't gotten my fireplace going yet because I just recently woke up, and so on and so forth. So <laughs> let's go. So Norbert Orr, thanks for joining us again on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Good. Always good to be with you, and uh, I think we, we've got an interesting story this month, as always. Well, I'd love to hear it. Why don't you kick it off? Okay. Uh, as you well know, we follow 18 business surveys from around the world, and uh, most importantly, we're following change within those surveys uh, so that uh, we're, we're interested in not only the fact that it's whether it's growing or, or contracting, but we also want to know is it get, if it's growing, is it getting stronger or is it getting weaker uh, uh, from that? So it's uh, a kind of kind of a unique use of a scattergram to tell us uh, far more in graphical form than we would be able to uh, uh, to discern out of all of this. Uh, so let's start uh, with the European Union, and uh, we'll work our way around to the other economies from that. Uh, the Eurozone came in with a uh, PMI, combined PMI, for the eight biggest countries uh, in, in the Eurozone. Uh, the, the index is at 50.5. 50 meaning that uh, above 50 meaning that it's growing uh above 50.5 would be uh uh what we saw last month in December at 51.4 so uh we see a slight though it's still growing we see a slight decline in the rate if you take and compare this back to European growth in GDP uh, they're now at about nine quarters where they're averaging less than 1% growth in GDP. So uh, Europe uh, is certainly not a blockbuster economy right now. Uh, frankly, it's similar to what they did uh, during, the, uh, during the 2008 to 2016 time frame when uh, they averaged less than 1% growth in, in GDP. Uh, also, I think it's worth noting there are 24 there are 24 countries that are part of the European Union. However, uh, only eight of them really are worth measuring. The others are very very small and make a very uh, uh, typically a very small contribution to uh, growth in uh, uh, GDP. So, 
when we look top to bottom, we see the best that anybody's doing in Europe uh, is uh, Greece at 53.7. Uh, I'm sorry, the Netherlands at 55.1, then Greece at 50, 53.7 uh, <clears throat> is the, uh, uh, the the number for this month. Uh, Austria is down at 52.7. Uh, notably, Germany fell below 50 this month at 49.7. Now, one of the things about a change index is you don't get really excited just because it's slightly below the line. Uh, that would be uh, within probably the margin of error. But what it says is uh, Germany's closer to treading water than it is economic growth at uh, at this point. So uh, Europe... Uh, what what's going what's it going to take to change it's going to take a a change in philosophy across the european union which uh, we don't see signs of yet uh we see the the european union not changing not doing the things they need to do to promote economic growth and so uh not going to look for uh, a lot of change to come out of europe uh, going forward Europe is also one of the uh, major trading partners uh, for China uh, in terms of uh, the Netherlands and Germany uh, represent about $140, $150 billion in trade with China. Uh, so uh, they're impacted by uh, each by each other. Their uh, balance of trade is uh, difficult for them to maintain strong trade on uh, going both ways uh, with the European Union, the direction it's in. And uh, as I say, I don't really look for a, a change in that. I think America used to be trading partners with China also. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, 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 see, we see some of that anyway, that, and I think we will be again. Uh, I'm very optimistic uh, about things getting settled uh, simply because when I look at this data, uh, it, it says they have to do something. And uh, I'll go into a little bit more detail on that as to, as to why. But, you know, let's, let's clear the deck with regard to the European Union. Uh, they need a, a lot of change. They need deregulation. Instead, they're going the opposite direction. Uh, they need more sovereignty in order to make decisions. Uh, you've got Italy that's probably uh, quite already in a recession. Uh, you've got Germany losing the strength, and Germany is the uh, bellwether for the rest of, Ger of uh, Europe. If Germany isn't doing well, the rest of the European Union is not uh, is not going to do well from that. Uh, so, Robert, yes. Uh I'm just curious. You said you know, deregulation is one thing they need to do. Uh, do you have a, a two, three, four bullet points of the things that Europe should be doing, including deregulation, to uh, kind of summarize this for our listeners? What what is their what are their issues? What do they need to fix? Well, it's 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 kind of pick a pick an area. You know, if it's um, <laughs> Uh, environmental, uh, they, they've got very uh, extensive new environmental regulations. Uh, if it's financial, uh, 
they're requiring financial firms to do reporting that uh, uh, is way beyond what we require in the U.S. And uh, the probability is that we're going to uh, we're going to struggle with that, uh, trying to maintain uh, our uh, our base from the United States and, uh, uh, and and the activity that happens in the European Union. Uh, you know, uh, the uh, sovereignty issues of, of how countries can run their own uh, debt and uh, deal with that and so on, uh, th- those are all uh, up uh, for, for question. Uh, and certainly tax rates are, are a big issue as far as uh, they're concerned. Uh, they continue to add more taxation. And uh, frankly, they kind of accepted that less than uh, 1% growth in GDP back uh, in the early, in the 2008 to 16 time frame. Uh, and so uh, they don't get as excited about the uh, lack of growth and so on as, as we have done and pulled by the bootstraps. So um, that's more difficult. Um, so uh, let's let's go on to Asia because I think the, the story is really in Asia today. Uh, I'm looking at uh, the scattergram that we do, and uh, it shows that uh, uh, there's one, two, three, four countries below 50, five countries below 50, counting Germany. Four of them are the two China surveys, the South Korea survey, the Taiwan survey. Only the Japan survey is above 50, and it's at 50.3. So uh, Asia, and then there's a group that uh, that I don't report on regularly uh, because the data is somewhat uh, inconsistent. Uh, is called the ASEA group. And that would be countries such as um, Philippines, Vietnam, Myanmar, Thailand, Malaysia, and so on. Uh, And that group uh, came in uh, at 49.7 overall. So uh, you're really looking all across Asia and not seeing any growth to speak of, uh, a little bit out of Japan, obviously. So when China speaks... And, and negotiates with the U.S., uh, they're not only speaking, uh, they're not only hearing from us you have to do certain things. They have to be hearing it from their trading partners. Uh, you know, the U.S. is their biggest trading partner, but Hong Kong is second. Uh, we're uh, 19%. Hong Kong is 12%. Japan is 6%. South Korea is 4.5%. Vietnam, 3.2%. So you you start to get the picture that uh, uh, they're dragging down those other economies because they're used to trading back and forth with them, and uh, and that has has fallen off and is weakening significantly from that. Uh, And that's why I think uh, we finally have a a positioning of uh, other economies that uh, are all have to be looking at China and saying, uh, you've got to you've got to to get uh, your act together because uh, you're not only hurting yourself but you're hurting the rest of us and 
Uh, we've been long-term trading partners, and we want to continue to be trading partners, but we have to have uh, some confidence in your ability to uh, uh, to trade amicably. So hey, I, Norbert, I mean, let me yeah. Norbert, let me ask you, you know, in, in, in your report and many of the reports that have been out uh, recently, the U.S. economy is strong uh, and it's going to continue even even though it did take a little bit of a dip uh, recently. But if we have a strong economy and all our trading partners are uh, not doing too well, how long is our U.S. good economy going to remain good? That's uh, that's a great question, Lou. Let me let me try to evade it uh, as much as possible and still give you an answer. I I think that our economy is well positioned to continue to prosper. We've got a lot of room left. You know, the ISM numbers this month are very positive for both manufacturing and non-manufacturing. If we lost 10% off of that, uh, it it would still be a very strong economy. If we lost 20%, off of it, it would be a little tougher, but still something that would be survivable. And of course, you know, this is uh, this is probably time for a baseball analogy. Uh, if you uh, bring in players that help the team, then the team's going to be better. If you bring in players that uh, uh, bring all the team's averages down. Uh, they're not going to be very happy about it, and they're not going to be very successful. And, and that's what we're doing now. Do uh, Because all these other economies are doing poorly, does that mean we should do poorly? Or should we continue to do what we're doing and, and keep raising the bar for them uh, to, to make changes to do the things that they need to do? So I, I think, uh, you know, we've got a, an opening through 2000 and through the end of 2019 uh, to begin to see some of those countries make some changes. Well, let me, let me come back around again from the other side of the barn. Uh, when you ask uh, if they are not doing well, does that mean we shouldn't be doing well? But there are, there are trading partners, and, you know, a lot of our – economy is based on what we do overseas if they wind up not doing well and they're not importing as much as they used to and so on isn't that going to ultimately affect us Uh, well as we've seen and and this is one of the reasons we're in the uh, predicament that we're in is uh, trading isn't necessarily a two-way street and so uh we buy a lot from them, but they don't buy as anywhere near as much from us. Well, that's and true. So we're we're trying to get a balance between that. Frankly, uh, I think if they get everything that we're asking for uh, in terms of intellectual property, uh, ownership of Chinese businesses, uh, if we get all those things – we're probably still going to run a deficit with China because they're much more of a mercantilist society than we are. Uh, Also, we sell a lot of services to them. They sell a lot of products to us. Yeah, that's true. 
And so uh, you, you see where I'm coming from. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think we, we have more of an opportunity. Uh, yeah, I, makes sense. I seriously doubt, Norbert, that a 17 or almost $18 trillion economy and a 5 or $6 trillion economy can come into balance because we would have you know, more than three times the buying power that, that right. they have. So I would right. agree that uh, balance of trade is not going to be balanced. Right. And uh, and when you factor in the the the, uh, uh, the scale of, of trade, and, uh, you know, we're in this partly in this predicament because we chose to help the Chinese join the rest of the world through the WTO uh, and gave them WTO uh, status that they probably didn't deserve, but made them much stronger and made them a strong exporter. And the whole idea was uh, people who uh, uh, have strong economies don't go out and, uh, and go to war. Uh, and so development of the Chinese economy, we took that on as a special consideration and willingly gave them uh, uh, more status than they deserved, frankly, uh, uh, through through uh, a, a 20 or 25-year period. And it's beginning to bite us in the rear. Uh, well, there comes a time, you know, all good things have to come to an end. And uh, <laughs> th- there, there comes a time, and uh, uh, frankly, uh, uh, you know the situation has been much worse. Uh, ultimately, I think it'll be good for us in a lot of in a lot of ways to to be able to to, to work better with the Chinese, to have more cross pollinization with the Chinese, uh, but do it in a fair way. Now, uh, having said that, can they do the political structure they've got with the expectations that they have, so on? That's where these trade negotiations are really a, uh, uh, a a big thing because this if we don't get this settled now, it won't be settled for the next 25 years because uh, the, the people involved in it and so on. You got to have the right players, and right now, uh, I think uh, with uh, Lighthizer and uh, the group that they've got. Uh, uh, they're they're dedicated to get this uh to get this done and they've been very very persistent in in uh uh challenging on it well being that you brought up uh china and the the issues that are going on there now between the us uh, and china and the tariffs and so on where do you see this going is this going to end soon uh yes or is- Yes, uh, they're talking today about a letter of intent of uh, kind of scoping out all the things they need to to to, to get uh, decisions on, and the decisions would be between uh, Chairman Xi and President Trump. Well, that's, uh, what that's they interesting. Would be Ivan. Well, Norbert. you don't get that kind of news out on Cape Cod, Lou. <laughs> no, the only thing we find out is that the chef down at the uh, Moore's Inn restaurant quit. <laughs> now that's a catastrophe. That's what, I'm sure it is a catastrophe. You know, <laughs> but so we have a deadline coming up, March one or March two, uh, with regards to another uh, 
tariff to be placed on a quarter of a quarter of a trillion dollars against China. Are you saying that that is uh, looking a little bit like maybe that might go away? No, I, I think I'm, I'm more favoring the idea that it will be extended and uh, ah. to give them a little bit more time to, to pull things together. They're apparently getting uh, some traction. Uh, right. You know, it would be easy if this was uh, if this was a uh, five issue problem, but uh, it's a <laughs> uh, probably a couple hundred issue problem that yeah. they've got to work through with it, and uh, that's uh, uh, the the nature of the beast. Uh, but as long as they're moving forward, and, and I think uh, you know uh, the president is interested in getting, he knows he has to get a deal. And right. uh, it's just a matter of how how long and, and how stubborn he has to be in order to, to get the Chinese to, to do that. Uh, and, again, uh, I think this cluster that I'm seeing right now, of uh, it's not only China, but there are supply chains and trading partners that are being impacted now uh, for a while, they were all doing okay, and China was taking the the big bullet. Uh, now it's moved uh, uh, to where the, they're taking a hit, and I'm sure they're uh, they're they're squealing uh, with uh, where they things stand and where it looks like. And if China doesn't make a deal, these guys are going to struggle much more than China even. So although it's not going to tip the balance of world trade, but it's one of Lou's favorite uh, continents to watch, how is South America doing? Uh, Well, interestingly, with uh, the new leadership in Brazil, uh, we see their index this month at 52.7%. Uh, and the trend is definitely upward as far as Brazil. Uh, you know, it, it's it, it's a question of how much can they get done before contra- before uh, 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 the the uh, economy and how much can the economy stand uh, with corruption. Uh, how much can they, how much growth can they get in place? How many things can they improve before corruption wins out? Because that's always been the story of Brazil. And oh, so, wow. Yeah, they've kind of professionalized criminalization. Uh, regrettably, you're absolutely right. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't see that. The rest of uh, South America. Uh, it you know has their ups and downs, but they inflate their way out of it every ten years and uh, and go on. Uh, but Brazil, uh, uh, I, I used to have a, a, a coach that said uh, if you said something had potential, and he'd say, yeah, potential means you haven't done anything yet. And <laughs> I, I would say Brazil probably right now has a lot of potential. <laughs> well, just to remind our listeners, uh, Norbert Orr prepares this Global Survey Insights reports for Strategus Securities, LLC, and he shares it 
with us here on Manufacturing Talk Radio each month. You can get a copy of this and also their uh, SLIM report, which is an early indicator of how manufacturing is doing. If you are a manufacturer and you participate uh, in the survey, answer two simple questions, and you get two great reports out of it that I think every manufacturer ought to really consider having. Just send an email to N-O-R-E at Strategus rp.com that's s-t-r-a-t-e-g-a-s-r-p.com strategusrp.com norbert we appreciate everything that you share with us on manufacturing talk radio anything else you want to impart before we wrap up this segment yeah let me uh uh, give uh, another plug to the work that we do uh our survey in December showed a sharp decline in U.S. manufacturing. Uh, right. And we saw that as a uh, uh, short-term event that reversed itself in January, and the mid-month in January we knew that January was going to be fine based on that. And so uh, that survey has a, a huge amount of value uh, I, I know people are so busy today that trying to find time to do a volunteer activity uh, it, it becomes difficult. But we really need companies, manufacturers, uh, to participate in that sur- in the survey for us because the more we get, the the better quality we can give back to you on a monthly basis. Great. Well, that, that's. That's 100% true to more people that participate, and uh, we recommend that our listeners uh, uh, go to uh, your website and have, take an opportunity to participate and uh, make this uh, your, your data even more reliable uh, than it already is. We appreciate it very and, much. And your website... Well, address is you know, their website Norbert. address is uh, I think Norbert it's still strategusrp.com is that correct That's correct that's correct and okay. you'll find you'll find me on there and you'll find my associates and uh, we do some special editions of information for people that are running supply chains uh, when we see an opportunity to, to share some good information that you wouldn't find in other places uh, Uh, we make it a point to get it in there. Well, we appreciate you sharing it here on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Norbert, thanks again for being with us. My pleasure. Appreciate it, Norbert. Talk to you next month. And that kind of wraps us up for this episode, Lou. It looks like uh, things as we have been following uh, do not point to recession, despite what the mainstream media might want to feed out there. It looks like we still have a very strong economy. Uh, it's, it seems that way, and it, it depends on which economists we're listening to on that particular day. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> nonetheless, uh, we'll all find out soon enough. And um, it, uh, it just seems as though that uh, everyone's got an opinion. And uh, the, the one thing that uh, I go by uh, to a great extent is – uh, our primary business, which is All Metals and Forge Group, uh, which when uh, Norbert was talking about December, I still have shutters, shutters up going up and down my spine with goosebumps of what occurred in 
December, which typically is not a strong month because of holidays and so on. But the last couple of years, it actually has been strong, except for this past December. So um, who knows why? We'll figure it out down the road. And uh, naturally, we always appreciate uh, Norbert being on our show. He's got great information. And uh, we look forward to having him on uh, Ad Infinitum. Oh, yeah. And actually, actually, uh, the report uh, that Norbert is talking about is going to be on our website uh, today. And uh, you will be able to read the details and look at the scattergram uh, as we have done in the past. So yes, the scattergram is fascinating. Oh, it's 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 worth ten billion words. I mean, it's, it's amazing <laughs> uh, right. how they've collected and uh, graphically uh, demonstrated what's going on in the world on one piece of paper or one screen, whichever one you're using. <laughs> I use both. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so check out everything that we have put together for our listeners and readers and visitors, because it really appears in three places. It's on manufacturing talk radio where you can listen to it. It appears at mfgtalkradio.com on our website where you can view all of our episodes. And we also publish a segment of it in metals and manufacturing outlook, our monthly e-zine that goes out to 40,000 people every month. So, Join us in any way that you can. We appreciate, again, you being with us. And that wraps up this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.